1: Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Friday the 19th of November, brought to you by eplindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider that's a virtual privacy network, allows you to go online, change your location, access whatever it is you're geo-blocked from. So if you're an English expat living abroad and wanting to access BBC iPlayer, ITV Hub or SkyGo, you can do so with a Liberty Shield VPN while also keeping your data safe the most important thing check out libertyshield.com and use the code EPL POD EPLPOD to get 50% off at checkout we're also brought to you by home of hopcroft a giftware and homeware company located in scotland but shipping worldwide check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and finally do remember to check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. And I have discounts for you as well. So on the EPL Index Etsy shop, if you use the code EPL25, you get 25% off. On the Anfield Index one, if you use the code RED25, you get 25% off. Don't say, I don't give you things. There you go. Merry Christmas. Right, folks. First things first, let me wish a very happy birthday to the King of Scotland, Mr Eddie Gibbs. 25 years of age today. Doesn't look a day over it. Outstanding stuff. Outstanding. Must be that good sea air he has up there in Scotland. Uh, That aside, yesterday I began by ranting about journalists not doing the job and different things and stood up for Ferland Mendy and now today we have accusations against Ferland Mendy. So Romain Molina is a French investigative reporter who specializes in football and he has made claims that when Mendy was at Lyon he attacked a woman, punched her kicked her in the head, and exposed himself to her. Um, Melina did a space on Twitter last night where he made a lot of very serious allegations or accusations. Now, he didn't name a lot of people. He named people in certain, in certain cases. But this was a wide-ranging, notebook-emptying thing by Melina. Much of it centred around the horrendous act of child sexual abuse and different cases or different incidents that Melina claims to have uncovered in his reporting um, including an incident at the Cannes Academy, uh, an academy in Congo, um, things going on in Haiti. He mentioned a bunch of other things as well. and There was some stuff on Paris Saint-Germain. He is a reputable journalist. There's no doubt about that. I will say at the moment, he has at least one lawsuit filed against him by somebody he accused of racism. So, uh, wait and see how that one plays out. But for now, we can only take him at his word. It was It's very strange that he did this. There were up to 60,000 people listening in to this space at different times, including multiple professional footballers. Uh, Dimitri Payet was one. Uh, Ibrahima Kanate was one. Um, There were celebrity listeners. The the Rock was listening in at one point, um, which is just, just mental. But, yeah, so it was very strange that he decided to do this as a Twitter space and basically just release all this information out, rather than, you know, reporting it as is his job or doing it as a podcast answering questions on it he just seemed to be letting all of this stuff out and his reasons for that nobody seems to know maybe he has been threatened maybe he wanted this information in the public before before it got shut down maybe there had been some sort of legal threats made against the newspaper that he reports for but you know None of it is good for the game of football. That is what I will say. And uh, Molina himself said, the more you learn about football, the more you start to hate the game. Um, The the business of the game is is the issue here. What goes on behind the scenes. But um, yeah, Fernand Mendy, you have let me down, son. And if this this is true, um, well, you deserve everything you get, basically. If this is true, you deserve absolutely everything that you get from here on, but it will be very interesting to see what the fallout is from this this space. It was all that anybody was talking about last night doesn't seem to be as much talk of it this morning. I thought basically the whole of Twitter would be taken over by by this you know this space and and what was said and, and all that but at the moment, there's not a whole lot being said. At, a, at the moment, there seems to be a period of reflection and maybe people digging into some of the stories and hoping to report further on it. Um, but notable that not many other journalists... Romano, of course, had to involve himself because you know he had to pretend he knew what was going on. But nobody else has has said much of anything so far we'll wait and we'll see that's basically the case we'll wait and we'll we'll see um right folks it is friday that means i am joined by mr guy drinkle to go over the premier league matches from this weekend and predict them incorrectly so how are you guy
2: i'm good it's always great to be introduced after such a story like that
1: Yes, yes. Well, you're you're the good news. That was the bad news. So now you're here to lighten the mood and make everybody feel better. So you know, no pressure, or anything.
2: Well, yeah. Well, how do you what's your thoughts on Steve Bruce?
1: <laughs> well, there's half an hour that we don't
2: have. <laughs> uh, right. Anyway, we'll do the first game. We'll wait for Steve Bruce to come back into a job before doing such things. Um, first game, then, after the dreaded mess of an international break, um, Leicester against Chelsea. Obviously, Chelsea want to get back to winning ways, uh, considering they drew with Burnley last game. And and Leicester, I don't know, just seemed really inconsistent, beating United. Uh, where? I? Correct, I had to scroll down a long way to find Leicester in the league there. Uh, and, and then beating uh, Br- uh Brentford losing to Arsenal, drawing with Leeds, a bad Leeds team, so inconsistency is the key word with Leicester. But mm. it, it, it's hard to predict Leicester games because they could just click at any game.
1: That's the thing, I mean they've got so much attacking talent and you do feel like there are times where it does start to work and Madison and Tielemans and Vardy start to combine and Barnes has worked his way back into the mix as well, and he's a hugely important player for them. They've got Iheanacho in good form. He's not scoring as many goals, but he is playing well. They've got Patson Daka, who scored, uh, you know, scored some goals for them, especially in, in the Europa League. But there is an imbalance to the team. Without, without Ndidi, they haven't got the same force in midfield. And obviously they have defensive issues as well. Now Ndidi is back, allegedly. So, we'll wait and see. Now, Yuri Thielemans is out now for a while. Um, He's going to be out until mid-December, which isn't good for them at all. Uh, Ryan Bertrand is a doubt. Mark Albrighton's a doubt. So, there's two experienced players that they're without. James Justin is on his way back, just not not quite there yet. Um, They're hoping to get him some minutes with the under-23s in the coming weeks. And I think they hope to have him back in the first team picture around New Year, when they're also hoping to get Wesley Fafana back. Justin and Fafana, you could argue, are the two best defensive players at the club, considering the demise of Kagler Sayonshu. Um and the fact that, you know, the other fullbacks they have, Castanier and Pereira, they're far better going forward than they are defensively. These two are are really good defenders. And losing them plus the lack of ndidi for you know a chunk of the season so far has hurt them and they haven't been able to defend and when you can't defend you're never going to be great going forward because there's no platform for you to play off you can't compress space you can't afford to commit men into attacking spaces because you're always going to be worried about what's behind you and that's been Leicester's problem that's why they through 11 games they've conceded 18 goals um They've got a negative goal differential, only scored 16, and those two things are linked. Now Chelsea Chelsea are, are, you know, are looking very, very comfortable thus far. One bad result this season, and that's the draw to Burnley, because a a draw at Anfield is never a bad result, and losing at home to the defending champions isn't a bad result. The performance was poor, but the result isn't a dreadful result. Drawing at home with Burnley is a dreadful result for Chelsea. And they're not going to be able to afford many more bad results because they know that City and Liverpool won't continue to have the missteps they've had so far. But Chelsea are doing this without Lukaku. He hasn't really played well when he was in the team. He's been out of the team injured for a while. But they've still scored the second most goals in the league. They've got the best defence in the league. Midfield is functioning well. It really does highlight just what a poor job Lampard was doing when less than 12 months later, they're top of the league and looking strong in all areas. Given this game is in Leicester, I think it does give Leicester a bit of a boost. Plus, it's the early kickoff on a Saturday, which is always a bit tricky. The only other thing I'd look at with Leicester is how much of an effect is the speculation around Rodgers having on the players? Are they looking around and thinking, hang on a second, if this guy's not not going to be here long term, do I want to be here long term? Like, do I not want to go to Champions League level clubs? They've got players who are more than good enough for the Champions League. And I know Brendan said that, you know, it's not real. He's committed to Leicester, etc., etc. But he was committed to Celtic and he was committed to Swansea until something better came along. And I fully believe that if Manchester United offered Brendan Rodgers the manager's job, he would jump at the chance. So
2: Let me ask you this, I day, think... would, would would Leicester not l- like easily let him go, but, I don't know, refresh the manager situation? Because, as we say, they are 12th at the minute, and it's probably more to do with injuries than anything. But fresh ideas, could, could that take them from top four challenger to... Top four? If they got
1: the right man.
2: If they got the right man. Yeah,
1: if they got the right man. You're going to need someone who's maybe a little bit more pragmatic than Rodgers, who's a little bit of an idealist and does tend to struggle to turn around bad runs of form. So, yeah, you you would need something there. Um, It is possible. They have the quality. Now, there's there's areas where they do lack a bit of depth and financially they maybe can't afford to sustain year after year competing you know to be in the top four. But I do think a slight a slightly better manager would have had them top four the last two seasons. Um, someone with a little bit more pragmatism in their approach. So for Leicester, yeah, I mean if if they if they nail the replacement. They absolutely could get better as long as they can keep the team together. So it, it might not be a bad thing for them if Rodgers leaves. But you know, for now, I, I think they'll want to keep him. I don't think they'll want to change manager mid-season again. You won't. Mm-hmm. There's nobody available right now other than Zidane who's not going to go to Leicester, who's a better manager than Rodgers. So they're probably best sticking with what they have and and well hoping they can get through to the end of the season with Brendan in charge. Um, as for this game, I'm going to go for a draw. I'm going to go for a 2-2 draw. Because I do think Leicester are due for things to spark a little bit going forward. But I don't think they'll beat Chelsea. I'll go with the draw.
2: That's quite a big shout to start off the show. I like it. I like it. But moving on, um, we have new manager game. First one to talk about against Brighton, who... Uh, not really continued the form, but continue to be very difficult to beat, seemingly. Um, but Gerard's first game at Aston Villa, they do have key suspensions and injuries. Um, what do you think about this one? Because they are missing basically their spine.
1: Yeah, so Danny Ings is a dead with COVID. Douglas Louise has a hamstring injury. Esri i I think he's back. He's suspended, I think. He got sent no,
2: off. No, I think he's. He got sent he off just before the, the international game. break. I think didn't he? He
1: missed the last game though. They started house and. If it's a straight. I think he, no, but it wasn't. It wasn't. It's not a dangerous play foul. It's a, It's just a a, red, a straight red card for. I, the, I don't. know. think, this I think like, yeah. Back. This
2: this website lied to us before, so he probably is back.
1: I think he's back, but Nakamba is out. Bertrand Troyori is out, and and Trezeguet uh, Trezeguet is out um if Konza is back that does help them massively they'll obviously be hoping to get that new manager bounce off off Gerard that's you know the big hope because they've lost 5 in a row confidence is at rock bottom now brighton come into this game their goalkeeper suspended robert sanchez is suspended oh no um so like, you know, <laughs> You know, that that might be a good thing for them. Uh, Aaron Connolly is back. Danny Welbeck is out. Uh, Enoch Mwepu is out. Alzati is out. But Dan Byrne is back as well. Brighton's form hasn't been great over. They haven't won in the last five. They have four draws and a defeat in the last five. Which is slightly better than Villa's run of five straight defeats. Uh, but, you know, not by a whole bunch. I think this is going to be a tough one for Gerrard. I think they can get Mm. the draw because remember Brighton don't have the best attack so Villa's defensive frailties might not be as big a concern here Mm -hmm. but Villa aren't Villa haven't looked confident or cohesive going forward and Brighton are a good defensive team. I might take the draw here as well. I might go 1-1. Yeah I can see
2: that. I think I was on today was I think I went for Brighton because I thought Conza was out, but if he's in, that makes a lot of difference. Uh, but yeah, I think I think that'll be a good game. Either. It'll be interesting to see Gerard, regardless. Um, moving on, then we'll go to Burnley against Crystal Palace. Obviously, great result for Burnley last time out, and Crystal Palace are probably one of the form teams in the league. Really, yeah. I mean, two wins in the uh, last two, and then three draws before that, but. The draws were against good teams, apart from Newcastle. Um, so both teams, decent. Um, has the Burnley turnaround properly started now, you think?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, only one defeat in the last um, five games. They finally got their first victory a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, then they got the draw against Chelsea, which is a good result. I think they'll want to continue to put a bit of space between themselves and Newcastle and Norwich. And they will know that a win in this one could lift them out of the bottom three if Watford or, or Villa lose. Um, I quite like Burnley to win this game. They are pretty much at full strength. Ashley Barnes and Dale Stevens are out, but neither would be starting anyway. Whereas with Villa, um, Ezzy is isn't back, but they're hoping that he'll be back soon. Yuki mm-hmm. um, Manderson has a knock; that's a little bit of a concern. He's he's apparently going to be okay to play, but that is a bit of an issue. Mm-hmm. James McArthur missing in midfield is a blow, especially with Will Hughes lacking fitness uh, and Nathan Ferguson obviously still ruled out and will be for a while. Because um, you'd guess Kiara is the backup in midfield and defense, wouldn't you? See, that's the thing. That's exactly the thing. I don't think they have great depth. They've got a, a, a really, well, not, it's not great starting 11, but it's a very good starting 11 in, in most areas. But the depth isn't great because they lost so many players in the summer when everybody's mm. contracts ran out. We also haven't seen how they'll cope under, you know, a, a bombardment, a physical game. Um, Dice's flat four in midfield, I think, could cause them some issues. I'm going to go for the home win here. I really like Palace, but I think I'm going to go with Burnley to win the game 1-0.
2: Interesting. I I think when Burnley do do start the turnaround, I agree. I think they have started it. They do tend to go on a good run of form, have a bad period and then like finish the season just well enough to do what they need to do. That that seems yeah. to be how Burnley seasons go, so I think that's exactly it. Yeah. So I think I think they'll be fine. I think it'll be a draw at worst for them. Um, another new manager, Newcastle against the out of form Brentford. Um, let's start with Brentford quickly. I mean, I, I discussed this with Adi. I mean, they've obviously got four losses in a row, but you look at two, the first two losses, and they were really good performances. But then the next two performances are where you really worry because losing to Norwich is never acceptable, considering where mm. Norwich were. And Burnley kind of just battered them a bit. So we've kind of, as the season's gone on and gone, Brentford, they've lost, but they weren't prolific. Bit bright any. Whereas these last two losses, you go, oh, the injuries are catching up. They're looking a bit more championshipy. Yeah. Is is that a concern, or, or do you really think it is just the injuries that have caught up to them
1: massively? I, I think it is a mix of both. I think the injuries have definitely played the biggest part. Um you look at you look at that defence and at the start of the season it was it was Asia, it was um and Pinnock and, and with Jansen in the middle. And then you had Zanka kind of as the fourth one. And the problem they have now is that Zanka is injured, Ayer is injured, and they don't really have anyone else who's not distinctly championship quality at best. Now Ethan Pinnock and Jansen, there's a they're a little bit championshippy. That that's probably like that, that's where they've been for most of their careers, is that kind of level. Mm-hmm. Um whereas you know, Asia's played in the Champions League, uh, so has Zanka. Zanka's also played in the Premier League before. But they just there's a lack of depth. Obviously they lost the goalkeeper as well, David Reyes, so That's a big blow that the the keeper who's playing now has no experience behind this defensive line. They're short of numbers in midfield. Mad Sorensen has been out all season. Josh De Silva has been out all season. Then they lost Baptiste. He's almost back, close to being back. But, you know, not great depth in midfield. And Jensen picked up an injury too. So Mm -hmm. a lot of chopping and changing in midfield. And again, a lot of championship-caliber players having to be called on early in the year. Up front, Tony is, is is playing not as well as he was early in the season because his confidence doesn't look like it's there because he hasn't scored in a little bit of time now. Next to him, you've got Mwepu, or no, Buemo who doesn't seem...
2: Likes hitting the post.
1: <laughs> loves hitting the post. Loves hitting the post. Doesn't seem to have that real killer knack in front of goal. Well, um, he was and Wissa, w- who he they was brought, a winger,
2: wasn't he? Emblemor. He was.
1: Yeah, he was a winger originally. Well, when they played a three, he played wide. Yeah. Um, Wissa, who they brought in the in the summer, scored the goal against us. Scored against West Ham. Mm-hmm. He's now been injured for a while as well. So I mean, that's had a negative effect on them. So you've got you've just got a lot of injuries. I mean, this weekend alone, Sorensen, Raya, Ayer, and De Silva all ruled out. Uh, Wissa, Jurgensen, Jensen, and Baptiste all unlikely to play. So that's a lot of players for a team that doesn't have the biggest squad and certainly doesn't have the biggest group of really proven Premier League caliber players. I think it is mostly that. I think it is the injuries. They're getting found out a little bit, but that's largely because they're not able to execute how they play as well as they would with their first choice 11. Mm-hmm. So I think it is a mix of both. Um, for the tune, I mean, how only much work Paul can he do? How much work can Eddie Howe do? In a, Eddie Howe do. That's, yeah. he's had, that's the thing. He's had two weeks. And look, it's not a squad with a ton of internationals, so he has had a lot of players. Uh, with him over this time. Uh, Paul Dummett's the only player who is ruled out. Fraser's back. Almiron should be fine after getting back late for international duty. With the form that Brentford are in, and with this being Howe's first game, it's the new dawn, it's a new era. I think St. James's will be absolutely hopping. I think the players at Newcastle are better than we've seen them be under Bruce. I'm gonna go home. Win. I would love Ivan Tony to score a hat trick and just, you know, show how silly Newcastle were to sell him. But I, I think Newcastle are gonna win this game. I'll go, I'll go three two to Newcastle. I think it'll be actually a, quite an open game because Eddie Howe's teams play an open brand of football.
2: Dave. Yo. that's the same. That's exact same result I said to Zidwa. So Brentford are winning this game very comfortably. four yes. Brentford. <laughs> yeah, that's what's happening. Sorry, Newcastle fans, if you're listening. Sorry, it's Jake. Sorry, Jake. You just,
1: you're, you're just Jake.
2: won. Yeah, just, just won. Jake and Harry, if you're listening. Um, yeah, that, I think that should be a fun game, though, regardless of us screwing it up for New uh, for Nor- uh, for Newcastle. Norwich is the next game. Uh, but yeah, speaking of Norwich, then. Uh, Last game before we go into a break. Again, another new manager. Um, S- Southampton's a weird one. Like, they're very difficult to beat, but you, at the same time you think they're not going to score loads past you, Submit so not an ideal first opponent. Well, the, te- the team that got him sacked from his other job, but not the ideal first opponent, but not the worst first opponent as well for Dean Smith.
1: No, not the worst first opponent at all. um Saints are a streaky team who tend to have good runs and then bad runs. They do struggle to sustain form now you know they' they're unbeaten in four they've got three wins in those four games, but we have to remember that before this run, they hadn't won any of their first seven games, so you know they are a team capable of of not being. Particularly good defensively they've been much much better mm-hmm. since uh, Bednarak and Salisu got put together but they are struggling to score goals and that at least that favours Norwich now Dean Smith my worry with him is just is it too soon is it too soon to jump back in after after Villa but Mm. Maybe not. May maybe it's a good thing for him.
2: I don't see what radical him. stuff he can do other than like bring back Billy Gilmore. See, they were quite
1: late to they were quite late to appoint him as well. Mm. Like it was into the second week of the break, so he he's not gonna have a huge huge amount of time.
2: I and mean, well what can he do I, as well, bring I, Billy Gilmore back into the midfield when he where he wasn't playing well? See that's the thing. And Norman's not... probably their best player at the minute.
1: Yeah, Norman has been their best player this season. Um I'm curious to see what it is he does with the team. I, I, I am curious to see how he sets them up. Does he does he use Rashika as a Grealish kind be of Grealish. Yeah, basically. Um does he get Todd Cantwell back involved? You know, I, I think he's got a couple of big decisions to make. Now uh Cantwell is expected to be back in the squad whether he's good or fit enough to play I don't know Ozan Kabak is fit again um, Grant Hanley is fit again I think they'd be better off having him sit out for a few more weeks uh, Billy Gilmore is back Sam Byram is expected back Zimmerman's the only one definitely ruled out Saints it's only Jack Stevens. everybody else looks like they're fit Livermento and Ward Prowse have recovered from their knocks
0: mm-hmm. and
1: Nathan Redmond is back after Covid Um, I'm going to go the draw I'm going Mm. to go the draw I'm going to be boring here and go for the draw I'll say I'll say 1-1 neither team have many goals in them so I'll go for a 1-1 again that's what I predicted (laughs) well done Southampton (laughs) Uh,
2: but we'll take a break there and then we'll be back uh, with the remaining five
1: Right, welcome back. So, we are five games down, five more to go. What do we have next, Guy?
2: Next up we have Watford v Man United, which it's probably the perfect game for Oli and United to well, recover some sort of, is dignity the right word? Credit, maybe? But you, you look at Man United's fiction, I was just checking that during the break they have a lot of key games coming up, and Villarreal is probably their most important game of the season so far in midweek because, well, we've seen in the past they do like bottling the group stage regardless of a decent result in in, uh, Bergamo. Mm. And then it's Chelsea, then it's Arsenal, then it's Palace, which is difficult. And, as we know, Man United's squad is very old, especially the ideal one with Cavani, Ronaldo, etc. up front. So, is this like their only opportunity to rotate in the coming weeks? So, maybe he picks a I know they've just had an international break, but Ronaldo
1: was playing. Did they play Serbia? Was it Serbia and Ireland? Yeah, he played yeah. both games. Yeah, um, so- I, I do think it is their best opportunity, but I don't think Ollie can afford mm. to rotate. I think he needs to play his full strength team because if they lose this game, he's getting sacked. If they lose to Watford, they will sa- I think they'll sack him. I think it's one thing to lose to Liverpool and United, even or Liverpool and City, even as bad as the performances were and as one sided as the games were. Realistically United internally knew going into the season they weren't as good as Liverpool, weren't as good as City. So I don't think they'll have expected to win those games. But Watford I think they do expect to win a game like that. Watford have lost four of five. Um their one win was a bit fluky against against Everton. They're a team that look like they're probably going to go down. I don't think it's acceptable for United to lose this game, and if they do lose the game, they could come out the far side of the weekend, mm-hmm. eight points off the top four, which you know is is a big gap at this early point of the season. Um, going into the game, United have a couple of injuries. Obviously, Varane and Pogba. Long. is expected yeah. yeah, Ponk is not really a loss, but but Varan is for yeah, sure.
2: Definitely.
1: Um McTominay's a doubt, Cavani's a doubt, and Luke Shaw has uh has an injury, I think it's a head injury a concussion type thing. So Alex Tellez may have to play could be a bit makeshifty,
2: really. It'll
1: be a bit of a makeshift defence, but they should should still have enough. I mean this Watford team are heavily injured at the minute. Thiebaud was out. Seralta is out again. Kucha is out, suspended. Tufan is out.
2: That's two starting midfielders, isn't
1: it? Two starting midfielders. And Cabacelli is out as well. So there's two starting defenders with him and Serralta. And a probably would be starting for them. Yeah. So you could argue it's their entire starting midfield out um and Quadroba is a young player with a fractured ankle he he's he's out for a while mm-hmm. um it, it's strange with Watford because
2: albeit we all knew they liked sacking managers but the one thing that Zisco had going for him was getting the best out of sar yes Where i've watched him watch when i can when they've been on t- on tv but sar just doesn't seem impactful under Ranieri. Which
1: is pretty No, it doesn't true. look like that, Carlo like, fully knows how to use him. Like i still he like, like you
2: calling him Carlo.
1: <laughs> oh God, Claudio. <laughs> um, he did use him as a number nine in one game, which was bizarre. Um he was good against Everton, he's been poor since. Mm. I, I don't think like I don't think Ranieri's a good manager. I've never thought thought of him as a good manager. And I think if Ollie loses to him, I think he'll deserve the sack. I do think United will win the game. This is the type of game where Cristiano scores a hat-trick and people fawn over him. Or maybe Sancho turns up and, and, you know, has a great game. So I'm going to say uh, 4-1 United win away from home. They're better away from home than they are under the pressure of Old Trafford. So I'll go 4-1 United. Big win for United. Ollie at the wheel. Get that new contract signed.
2: I just realised all these are still three o'clock kickoffs. Jesus. (laughs) It's going to be busy on Saturday. Um, Next up is Wolves against West Ham. This should be a good game. I mean, Wolves were in great form before the Palace game, and West Ham just beat Liverpool. Um, So, yeah, West Ham should be favourites, but we've seen Antonio's been away in, I don't know where they played, but he was playing for Jamaica, so I'm guessing North America somewhere. do you think that could have an effect? Because it's not something is somewhat well an injury. Pro Mikel Antonio's had to deal with in past season. So, I mean, what, what well, do you make of this?
1: Bonnet is out. That's a big blow. His knee is his knee is is bad, so he's out for a while. They've got Rice and Fornals both have knocks that they picked up Ooh. on international duty. So those, those are playing. blows. Mm. Yeah, and then like you said, Antonio is going to have travelled. To the Caribbean, into North America, or wherever, and then and then back. So that's a lot, um, especially considering it's quite new to him because he's only new mm. into the into the Jama- Jamaican squad. So I do think those things could have an effect. Wolves: Marcal is out, Johnny Otto's out, Muscera is out, Bueno is out, and Pedro Neto remains out. As you said. Wolves were in good form going into that Palace game, Um, and they have played quite good football this season. They've been inconsistent, but they've played good football. They create a lot of chances. Huang looks good. Jimenez is looking more and more like himself. Trinquiao is settling into the division. They've got quality in midfield with Moutinho and Neves. The defence will always worry you, and that's Mm -hmm. where I think West Ham will have some joy if Antonio is fate and if if the you know the midfield and, and the attacking midfielders are there I think they will have some joy so for that I'll go I'll go two one West Ham.
2: Yeah I think that'll be a good game either way to be fair. Um well yeah I would make West Ham favourites. Next up then and probably to my eye the key game of the weekend is Liverpool against Arsenal. Liverpool a lot of injury problems. Who would have guessed that before the start of the season? Um, and Arsenal, regardless of performance, on a good on a good run, um, seemingly improving, uh, can overtake Liverpool into top four if they win. Um, I mean, is this a lit- this is obviously a litmus test for Arsenal because that's been the not the criticism, but that's been the question mark. The teams they've played have either been out of form. Or just bad, really. Um, yeah. Whereas Liverpool, when they've been good, they've been excellent. But when they've been even like 5% off, they slip up. So it's pretty much a litmus test for both.
1: Yeah, Arsenal have one win this season against the team currently in the top half. And that was a very much out of sorts Tottenham Hotspur team. Um, They have been playing largely bottom-half teams and getting the results that you'd expect against bottom-half teams. Now, this will be a big step up for them. But like you say, Liverpool have a lot of injury issues. Firmino is out. Gomez is out. Milner is out. Keita is out. Henderson's a major doubt. Robertson's a major doubt. Jones is out. Elliot obviously remains out. But Origi is, is back. He had a bit of a knock at the Ooh. internationals. And Sadio Mane is fine. Um, so Liverpool will still put out a strong team. You'd expect something along the lines of Allison, Trent, Matip, Virgil, Costa Simakis, Oxley, Chamberlain, Fabinho, Naby Keita, or not Naby Keita, Thiago Alcantara, and then Salah, Jota, and Mane. And that should be enough. I think Liverpool will win this game. Like I, I've said this a few times, I think there's a bit of fool's gold with this Arsenal run. Uh, they've got a major doubt over Thomas Partey going into this one. Aubameyang is a major doubt. So those are two big ones for them. No Xhaka, no Kalasnic. neither are a loss. Balogun has a doubt he wouldn't be playing anyway. Uh, I think Liverpool will win this game. I'll go 3-1 to Liverpool.
2: Now, I'll, I'll go a hypothetical because we've only got two games left. What, what if Arsenal win? Does that mean they're the real deal or is that more questions for Liverpool?
1: At the moment, it I, I think it is more questions for Liverpool because, again, you, you've you got to factor in Liverpool are going to be missing some players, especially in the midfield area where, you know, Naby Kate has been the best midfielder all season. They're missing Firmino um, and they'd be missing Andy Robertson. But then again, you could argue that Andy Robertson shouldn't currently be starting for Liverpool mm-hmm. because he hasn't been playing well. I think it would be a big thing for Arsenal, but... I think to prove that they are the real deal, they have to still be in this position come March, mm. April. You know, I don't think we can deduce anything from a run of form in uh, September and October, um, especially against you know largely poor teams. We'll, we'll know more about them by Christmas because their next run of games, the next seven games are quite difficult. But if they're the real deal, they'll be knocking on the door of top four come March, April. Mm -hmm. And if they're not, they'll be doing the Arsenal thing of being in seventh or eighth. And as things currently stand, I would put my money on them being in seventh or eighth position. I think there are... I think there's six teams better than them in the league, at least. So I'll say Arsenal to finish seventh or eighth. Like, You have to factor in, Leicester are going to get better. And if it was a straight shootout between Leicester and Arsenal, I think you'd back Leicester. Better manager, better players. I
2: don't know who who can bottle it the most is a good question there.
1: Yeah, but I mean, (laughs) if Brendan Brendan is playing without pressure, you'd back him to go on a run. Arsenal don't really have much pressure at the minute because no one expects much of them. Arsenal probably have the slightly better manager than United, but United have better players. Tottenham have better players and a better manager. Mm -hmm. So I think each of those will rectify the issue. Is
2: January key for all these teams? I'd I'd probably
1: add Liverpool in that. January is going to be very, very interesting. I think there's a number of clubs have business to do in January.
0: mm -hmm.
1: I really do. But I I look at it, I think of the big six, Arsenal are the worst team. mm -hmm. I know they're on a good run, but I think they're the worst team of the big six. And I think both... Leicester and West Ham are better than them as well. So that makes Arsenal, for me, the eighth best team in the country. And I think at the moment, that's their ceiling. Now, look, maybe they proved me wrong and maybe this run is real, but nobody's going to convince me that you should be fifth in the league when you've scored 13 goals after 11 games.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When the teams above you have scored 27, 22, 23 and 31 and the team below you has scored 19, you're not going to convince me that you're the real deal. They're overly reliant on a goalkeeper. They've had incredible good luck of teams just finishing really poorly. And I still think, like, only Brighton, Wolves, Tottenham, Leeds, and the bottom four have scored less goals. So they've got a bottom eight attack. Now, the defense has been good. Not great, but good. And they're still prone to giving up a lot of chances. So, you know, when I see Chelsea, City, Liverpool, Brighton, Wolves and Southampton all having a better defence and West Ham having the same defensive record, but scoring a lot more goals, I think you're the number eight team in the country. And I think that will, will play out over the season. Cause I, I like, they're only four points clear of Spurs and Spurs mm. have been through some turmoil this season. They're only five points clear of Leicester who have been a disaster this season. They're three points clear of United who've been awful. So, uh, you know, I don't. I, I think there's, there's fool's goal there. I, I think it leaving itself out. I think they get beaten this weekend. I think they're going to lose a couple of their next seven. Them against United are going to be fun in a couple of weeks. Them against United is very fun. That, I mean that's going to be the big test for both teams mm. because you can make a real argument that West Ham are better than United United have better players. West Ham have a better team. West Ham have a midfield, which United don't. They have a cohesive defense that works together and they've got an attack that actually complement each other and they've got a better manager. I think you can make an argument that Leicester are better than them as well. Not defensively, but you know, they play better together their midfield is better. When everybody's fit, they will have a better defence. They've also got a better manager. They don't have the squad depth and maybe the mentality that United have to get over the line. But uh, you could you could make a real argument that United are the seventh best team in the country and that Arsenal the eighth. But that depth and, I suppose, wealth of experience will claw United higher in the table than they mm-hmm. maybe deserve to be.
2: Um I think I just to be fair to Arteta, I think as soon as he's got his players in and the the horrendous start this season, they do look a lot more cohesive. It, it, it's not the most entertaining or flashy or whatever, but the defence seems settled with Tomiyasu, White, Gabriel, Tini or Tavares. Ramsdale's done better than anyone predicted, even Arteta and whoever does the buying there. But they do look progr- they look like they're progressing, but I suppose we've said that. In spells in the last couple seasons, I suppose. So that's probably the biggest question mark is, is it another purple patch or is this the real progression?
1: See, that's the thing we've seen them. We've seen them do this before under Arteta. So you know they they do have a lot of reasons to be optimistic. Like you mentioned, those four defenders and the keeper, and they're all twenty five and below. I think they're the youngest
2: and, team, aren't they in the league? I think I'm sure. Yeah, I think that. so. Yeah, yeah, because
1: yeah, you, you've got those two young wide players as well. Now they do have. Obamayang Lacazette and, and
2: dragging it down.
1: <laughs> Partey, who are yeah, who are all old, older. Um, but Lacong is young as well, and they've got a very, very good academy, they've got a lot of promising youngsters making their way through. So there's definitely reasons for optimism, but uh, this is this just strikes me as one of those kind of false dawns where it's a sign of what they could become in maybe another you know, year or maybe mm-hmm. under a better manager but I, I don't think it's sustainable for this group right now under this manager. But um, Yeah, I'm going to go I think Liverpool will win this game. I, I, th- I think a, a, a 3-1 win to the Reds is, is likely.
2: The better do. I just waited two weeks to, to, to rub off another win-loss. I don't need to lose to Arsenal and then have pointless Champions League games, seeing as we're already through. Um, but yeah, hopefully we win. Um, on Sunday then, now, this game would be more interesting if Everton had people fit, but they, mm. this seems very straightforward to me. Man City against Everton, who are out without pretty much all their midfield apart from Allen, no Calvert Lewin. I'm guessing Yerry Mina's not back.
1: Yeah, no Mina, no Holgate. So Tom basically, he's injured, Gomez injured, and Touré injured.
2: The only part of their spine is Jordan Pickford.
1: Basically, yeah.
2: Which is grand. <laughs>
1: Which, which isn't ideal. Um, yeah, I, I think this could be an interesting game if Everton were at full strength, but they're going to have weaknesses pretty much everywhere because of the injuries. Um, lack of a goal scorer, lack of that ball winner in midfield next to a who's a great shield, but isn't as dynamic getting around the pitch as he used to be. Issue with center back is that Michael Keane isn't very good. Um, mm-hmm. th- there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot to be. Concerned about for for Everton right now. Now for City, Ferran Torres is out for a while. Grealish looks like he'll miss out. That might be a bonus because they've looked better without him. Phil Foden has a knock. That's a concern. Um, there's another player who's ruled out because he's suspended. We won't talk about him. Yeah. Liam Delap has an ankle injury. De Bruyne has COVID. So I mean, look, it's not all all great for uh, for City either. They're going to have some. Mixing and matching to do. I expect Foden returns. but uh, No De Bruyne is a blow. But they still have Bernardo Silva. Ilkay Gundogan. Raheem Sterling. Gabi Jesus. Riyad Mahrez. There's still plenty of players that can come in and do the job for them. I'm expecting to do the job. I expect City to win this game. Pretty comfortably if I'm being honest. I think City will win this game 3-1. I don't see see Everton causing them many problems. It could even be 3-0. I'll actually I'll say three nil. I don't see Everton causing them many, if any, problems mm. at the Etihad this weekend. I'll I'll say three nil to City.
2: Bit, I think Richarlison and um, Rondon is what Diaz is built for, really.
1: <laughs> Basically, yeah, he will love the physical battle with Rondon, and depending on who plays next to him, whether it's Laporte or Stones, I think they'll be more more than comfortable with Richarlison, who he doesn't look. Richardson hasn't developed. Like he's still largely the same player he was at Watford. There's been no real progression with him. He gets last by se- a last lot last
2: season, especially.
1: Yeah, I mean, not like you look at his goal numbers, and you've got to be expecting more from a fella that they paid what forty million for. <laughs> but he got thirteen in his first two seasons in in the league, fourteen and fifteen in all competitions. That's not bad. Last season he got thirteen in all competitions, but seven in the league. Like he, he didn't score like, till January, chances. did he, as well? it was just... Yeah, it wasn't good. And that was after Ancelotti had said he, he was aiming for him to score. Thirty. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like he'll never be a big time scorer, I don't think. I don't think he'll ever be a twenty five to thirty goal a season player. No. But you'd still be hoping for you know, eighteen to twenty at this point. It's not like he's a kid anymore. He's twenty four. He'll be twenty five before the end of this season. And he's been in, in this league since mm. two thousand seventeen. So he should be well used to it. I do like him as a player. I think he works really hard. I think he's got plenty of narl about him. It's thirty five million potentially rising to fifty million. That's madness. I think Watford madness. done well there. <laughs> yeah, Watford Rensden.
2: Bought, bought. Oh, I'd rather have Sarah, to be honest.
1: Um, I, I think, I think it's a concern for Everton that he hasn't. His all-round game just hasn't expanded the way you would have hoped. But it, think there's his
2: still head a because he link. was linked with Barcelona. I mean, it was very, it was one of them very weird links to Barcelona. But he was yeah. linked for a bit.
1: He was, and and. He, see, he was linked to PSG as well. I I, I don't he know was the name. Any... Uh, the
2: Mbappe replacement
1: wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think that's just because he plays in the national team with Neymar. I think that's all there is Probably. there. But look, he is a good player. You just with Calvert Lewin out, you would want him to step up and be the main man. But he doesn't have seem to have that that alpha mentality. He seems better as kind of the secondary, like the Robin rather than the Batman.
2: To be fair, he um, does only on Twitter though what he's given it bigs to. Oh yeah, he's, jo-
1: he's Johnny Big Balls on Twitter, like. Um, but so that's that doesn't mean anything. And you, you can go on in your interviews and you can say, "Oh well, no one likes Van Dyke. No one likes Liverpool. You play for Everton, pal." <laughs> uh, at the end of the day, you know you, you you live in you live in the shadow of Van Dyke and Liverpool. So you should probably just keep your mouth closed until you win something. And until you win something, nobody really wants to hear from you. Everton didn't buy you for that kind of money to send tweets and say stupid things in interviews. They call yourself the pigeon. Like the pigeon. Like (laughs) So when I was growing up, there was a walk that certain people in my hometown did where they looked like, and it was called the pigeon. And they looked, it was just a bunch of ridiculous looking people doing a ridiculous looking walk. Trying to be like hard lads and that's basically what he's trying to do. You know, to pitch get yourself a proper nickname, son. Get it get a better PR firm uh, or get a better agent and get yourself a move because um you you're going nowhere at Everton and they're going nowhere with you. Now the problem for Everton is they won't make any money off yeah, it. Nobody's giving them a profit. Nobody's giving them I a mean, for what
2: What would someone pay for thirty mil?
1: Maybe, maybe thirty Someone's with on contract that's the thing as well when did he sign his deal oh he signed a new 5 year deal in 2019 oh I'm lucky you're not going anywhere he's contracted to 2024 2025 contracted to 2024 what's he going to
2: be there 29 yeah Yeah. he's kind of locked in there unless he really throws the toys out the pro
1: yeah but they need him to step up they really do need mm-hmm. him to step up. Um, there's there's talent there. There's good work rate there, and there's plenty of you know of uh, I don't know if winning mentality is the the right way to put it, but there's there's a guy there I think that wants to win. And he's you know, he's won with Brazil, he won a Copa America, he won a he won an Olympics.
2: He's consumed by the Everton.
1: <laughs> the Everton. But he, he does seem to have been a little bit Yeah, a little bit toffied. Uh contract actually till twenty twenty four, but they may hold an option for a year, you wouldn't know what Everton. Um but I still think I still think he needs to take a, a big step forward. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd we we were
2: leaked before he went to Watford, weren't we?
1: Just kind of yeah, and we go. were linked when he was at Watford as well. Like yeah. Everton did really well to get him because a lot of clubs wanted him. But he just hasn't he hasn't taken this the big leap that you were kinda yeah. hoping for.
2: Considering the manager's out as well. But right here we don't we won't get caught up on Rich Allison. Uh, what did you say for this 3 0? 4 0?
1: Uh 3 0 to City.
2: Yeah. Uh moving on then, another quite intriguing gear, maybe for the wrong reasons. Spurs against Leeds, (laughs) Conte against Rafinha is probably the story here, Um, but Spurs obviously probably a lot of them went away on international duty, but maybe not loads actually, I'm thinking of the Spurs squad, Uh, Romero, Kane, Son probably.
1: Yeah there's not a whole bunch of players currently a lot playing. Of the, for the midfield national team would have there. been there apart from
2: the, the Celso usually goes away doesn't it? The and Heusberg,
1: I think were gone. Yeah, Heusberg. Um but Skip and Ali and Ndombele um, I think they they were all there. Uh, Harry Winks was there. The wing backs was there were there. Um all the center backs Barry Romero and probably Davies I think was in the Welsh squad yeah, wasn't he? he? Um Kane and son, yeah. So most of the squad, oh, and, uh, and Stephen Bergvijn was away with the that. with the Dutch. Oh, yeah. So he's had time to work with some of them, and apparently, rumours are, reports are, he's very impressed with Delhi Ali, and thinks that he can be a, a key player for him. Oh, so no. that's here we go again. <laughs> either set himself up for disappointment, or or that's a real thing. Um, this is a, an interesting game because obviously Leeds are always fun to watch, but you know, no Luke Ayling. No Robin Cock, which means patchwork defence. Jamie Shackleton uh, out. Junior Firpo, they're hoping to have back, but it looks unlikely. Patrick Bamford being out is the big blow because there's just there's not enough goals in the team without him. Mm-hmm. Um, for Spurs, Oli Skip is suspended. Brian Hill has an injury. Heusberg has a knock, but is expected to play. uh Lo Celso has a knock, but is expected to play. Sessegnon is on his way back and unfortunately for them, Christian Romero picked up a knock on international duty, so he's out for a while.
2: When did he get uh, sent off? Was that the Europa game?
1: Yeah, the Europa League. Yeah. Uh, Conference League, yeah. Yeah. Um, Romero's probably out for, the, for about two weeks, so defensively they've got... Davinson Dyer, let's go. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, So just nothing ball. great. <laughs> nothing great at the back, but Given how poor leads have been this season, y you, you, you still do kind of have to fancy Spurs at mm-hmm. home, with for- Kane hopefully having rediscovered his love of scoring goals with seven against international minnows. Um Sun obviously is is hugely important to them. They will miss Skip because he's he's been pretty good the last couple of games, but maybe it's a chance for Endon Belly. To get it get a run.
2: Yeah, he, he did I think he Conte. subbed them on in both games, didn't he, when the needed
1: goals so um I, I think I think Spurs will win this game. At home They have to really the, lead's in bad form. Spurs need the win. They do, they need the win. Conte needs that win as well. He wants to get that first Premier League win under his belt and and get going. They obviously they beat uh Vitasarnum in his first game. Um and then Drew obviously his first league game. But I think he'll want to to get the win here. I don't think he'll want to be messing about. I'll go for a, a 2-1 Tottenham home victory. I'm even going to say I think Kane scores both goals. Um, Two
2: penalties coming. <laughs> one
1: penalty and, and one where he catches Liam Cooper asleep and uh, and nips in to score. I'll go 2-1 to, to Spurs with a with a cane double. Does yeah. that mean Leeds are as good as San Marino? Basically, yeah. Mm. Now, slightly slightly better. Slightly better. Almost In as England good as Albania. <laughs> Almost <laughs> as good as Albania. Um and that's it then. That is our ten games for the weekend. So to recap Leicester Chelsea draw, Newcastle Brentford draw, Burnley to beat Palace. No, that I said Newcastle mm. to beat Brentford. Yeah. Newcastle to beat Brentford, Burnley to beat Palace, Villa and Brighton to draw, United to beat Watford, West Ham to beat Wolves, Norwich and Saints draw, Liverpool to beat Arsenal, City to beat, uh, beat Everton, and Tottenham to beat Leeds. That is me for the week. Thank you, as always, Mr Drinkle. I hope you have a pleasant weekend.
2: No problem.
1: And I will speak to you all on Monday. And if people called Mendy could refrain from doing anything silly over the weekend. I greatly appreciate that as well. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye.
0: network.